Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. This episode is airing on Christmas Day. And if you're listening to it on Christmas Day, I hope that everyone out there in the listening audience is having a wonderful and safe holiday. In southwest Michigan, we had quite the snowstorm this weekend, which kind of set the mood for Christmas time celebrations. In this episode today, I thought it would be fun to explore some letters to Santa Claus from the 1800s and 1900s. Children have been writing to Santa Claus since the mid-1800s, and it's been quite a tradition. A lot of newspapers carried these Santa letters in their uh, editions during that time. And at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum on December 17th, I took part in a show called Tales of Christmas Past, which featured old stories and poems from the Victorian era in Michigan. And as part of this event, we also included two famous letters to Santa Claus and their famous authors, which I'll be including in this show today. So who would be better to engage in conversation with me on this wonderful seasonal topic than Dave Eddy, who is known to many in Southwest Michigan as the morning mayor for his four plus decades with WBCK Morning Radio. And Dave was also a performer in the Tales of Christmas Past event with me this past weekend. So welcome back to the show, Dave. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast again and sharing this festive time of year. Well, Michael, I deem it quite a pleasure to be joining you on this holiday. Always a lot of fun. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. This is going to be a fun topic. I love reading Santa letters. I just think it is such an interesting, and particularly old ones from that period, because you learn about the context of the time period by reading them. You know, what was important to kids back then? Absolutely. So, Dave, before we start, could we go into some of the, um, for the for the audience members that may be unfamiliar with who you are, You've could you introduce yourself me. a little bit and share? <laughs> 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 could you share some of your history with WBCK Radio uh, and tell them, kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Well... <laughs> Gosh, we're, you know, we could do a program on that, uh, probably uh, several programs on that of uh, two or three yeah. hours in length, each, each one. But uh, yeah, I, I began work at WBCK, Michael, in 1960, after about four and a half wow. years, uh, right out of high school over in Albion at WALM, which is no longer on the air. But uh, spent uh, 48 years before I retired a number of years ago at BCK, and all but um, all but one of those years I did the morning show. So there's a lot of wow. a lot of history there, and met so many many people, and lots and lots and lots of memories. In fact, I uh, I really probably should write a book because uh, I've thought about that, and I've been encouraged to do that by a number of people. But uh, I, you should. You I, absolutely I even should. Know where to start as far as as events after forty eight years and meeting so so many people and doing so many mm-hmm. MC jobs as far as opening um, various places, including the the old Lakeview Square Mall, of course, uh, Festival of Lights, mm-hmm. which um, which really was something else back uh, twenty years ago, I guess. 
Still have have uh, vestiges mm-hmm. of it, of course, but nothing like it was back in those days. Did you get Santa letters at the WBCK radio station? We we did. We did get Santa letters. Um, I think in downtown Battle Creek there used to be a Santa Santa house, mm-hmm. and a lot of the letters from the citizenry probably went there. Okay. But we did get many, and we for years had a program, I can't recall what it was called, probably Letters to Santa. <laughs> and uh, my good friend Fred Bachman, very well known in the area, he has that rich, deep, melodious voice. And he uh, he played Santa Claus on the air. Yeah. And, and uh, people would call in, basically, <laughs> on the phone. We'd give the number out, and these, these children would call in and tell Santa what they wanted for Christmas. And wow. it was always a very, very popular program every every year. And we did it for years. Oh, great. It was just something spectacular. It really was. Well, we had a lot of fun preparing for and performing in the Tales of Christmas Past event. What do you think was the most memorable moment for you in those performances? Oh, boy. There were so many. I think probably, uh, Michael, number one would be working with the cast including yourself i mean mm-hmm. you you put this thing together yeah and uh, <laughs> it was just it was just it was great working with them we had we had donna rickman mm-hmm. if i can re- mention some names here yeah uh, donna rickman i i not worked with donna before but i've heard of her well i can't say haven't worked with her before she she uh, portrayed sojourner truth Okay. One year, or maybe a couple of years, on our Oak Hill Cemetery tour. Oh, okay. So uh, I was somewhat, but I never really worked with her closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Mathis, who is just an absolute gem. What a talent! Uh, what a talent! With. Those two ladies are oh, such a gosh. talent. B- both of them just are just incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. And I had never met Brian and Jill McCombs. Yeah. Uh, so it was a pleasure meeting them, and and both are very very talented. Yeah, and very I fun couple was, to work with. Oh very. my gosh, yes, and it, you know, and and you can tell it, it, people yeah. just enjoyed listening to them, and yeah. And so I think working with the cast, and of course yourself included, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And the other thing was looking out at the audience while doing the shows. Mm-hmm. We did two of them, um, seeing the the smiles on the faces yeah. of uh, the people in the audience listening to these various uh, various things yeah. that we presented i i just th- those were highlights uh, for me i just uh, i really enjoyed it and people were trying to get into the holiday mood i guess and yep. uh, so they came out and it was a pleasure it was just very gratifying that we saw so many people there we had two sellout performances yeah it was, it was it was quite something um you know, I spoke with, uh, we had the first performance um, filmed by Access Vision Cable TV, and they contacted me just today, and I meant to, I sent you an email on this, but they filmed it, they edited it, they loved it, they said it was so great that they're going to they're gonna make it available oh. to the museum that we could sell it as a DVD at the museum. So I'll probably be uh, uh, working on getting that for sale. At the very least, we'll have it available next Christmas when somebody wants to buy that as something as a benefit to the museum, but we'll have it available for sale probably sometime in January, you know, so. And I, I'm pretty sure that they will also present it on Access Vision channels. Yes, uh, it should be channels, aired so. pretty soon on Access yeah. Vision. I don't know when they're airing it, but 
Um, they, yeah, it was a pleasure to see uh, Shea Parker, my friend Shea Parker. Yep. Uh, down there taping it. He's a hard worker. He Great is. Friend for many, many years. Very hard worker and yeah. very talented editor. I mean, he does oh, yes. a lot of brilliant Absolutely. job down there. So, Dave, when you were a little boy, did you ever write a letter to Santa Claus? I have a short answer. No. <laughs> you never did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to think if I, I had done I that re- myself. I think I seem to recall I, I doing can't. it, but I don't remember any... Uh, outcome of it you know um i i just can't ever recall writing a letter to santa claus i just uh i just can't ever remember doing that yeah (laughs) but uh i'm where would i send it number one north pole Uh, yes uh, usually the way they write (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they had they had some connection in albion Mm -hmm. where a direct connection to the north pole but no, I, I, Michael, I just I can't recall ever doing that. Well, evidently, they have. used to send them into the newspapers because maybe, maybe I figured that the only thing I would get would be coal in my little stocking. So maybe <laughs> the bad little boy, it. Dave. <laughs> even even <laughs> what a chance at right. Yeah. <laughs> I was naughty. <laughs> well, we're going to go through a few collections before we get to those famous letters I talked about. And we've got a collection of old Santa yeah. letters from the 1800s and early 1900s. And I'll start by reading one of a couple of them here. These are from the Paw Paw newspaper that was printed in 1915. It was called The True Northerner is the name of the paper. And I'll just read you some of these Santa letters, and we can talk about them here. Um, Dear Santa Claus... Okay. Is the snow deep out your way? Is it not very? It is not very deep out here. I think I should write a long letter to you. I think you will have a hard time making so many toys for us boys and girls. I should think that your reindeer would be tired running all over. I would like a doll in a doll cart. Your loving friend, Alice Johnson. <laughs> oh. How I that's probably very typical of many many letters written. Oh yeah, Claus. they're all they all have the character of the child comes out in them, you know. Uh, dear Santa yeah, Claus, absolutely. how are you today? How are your reindeer, Santa Claus? Are they well or are they sick? How many dolls have you? How is Miss Santa Claus? I would like a doll and a muff, Helen Thayer. Mm. <laughs> How neat. How neat. Those are just neat stories. You've got a few to read there, too, from Chicago, right? Or from other parts of the world? The one that uh, pops right up right away is one that I recognize. It was written by Shirley Temple. Yeah. I think everybody's uh, familiar with Shirley Temple. Yeah. And uh, it reads, it's very short, Dear Santa Claus, I wish you would give all the boys and girls the best Christmas ever. And it's signed Shirley Temple. That's really concise and to the point, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, she certainly was making a lot of money for a little girl back then. Yeah. I got another one here. It says, uh, I am a bright-eyed little boy, and I'm trying to be good so that you will remember me on Christmas morning. I would like very much to have a bayonet, a gun, a sword, a sled, a watch, and a chain a pair of rubber boots, a snow shovel, some books, a slate, some nice warm stockings, a little penknife, a candy cane, and a pair of mittens. I hope you will not think I am asking for too many things, for I do not wish to be thought greedy. 
Mama sends love and hopes you will remember her too. And it's signed by Dickie Burton, Bangor Wig and Courier, December 20th, 1877. Wow. Uh, I, I would suppose that would be the Bangor, Maine, I would imagine. Probably, yeah. It, well, it certainly could be Bangor, Michigan, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wonder if he got his bayonet. <laughs> you know, 1877, he might very well have gotten one. <laughs> yes, something left over from the Civil War, maybe. Or yeah, something. who knows? I, know. I mean, there was stuff they, you know. Wow. Here's, here's another one, uh, just another brief one, Michael. Please bring me a dolly. And please, Mr. Santa, bring it up the steam heater and not down the chimney so she won't get her hair burned. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's telling the of Chicago. the times, too, you know, the heating systems. <laughs> Chicago Daily Tribune, December 22nd, 1901. Yep. Isn't that neat? Oh, oh, who was what was the name of the girl that wrote it? Did it, uh, it doesn't say. I don't think. Oh, no, wait a minute. Um, no, it doesn't say. Well, you got to think that she must have burned herself a few times on that stovepipe. Well, I guess maybe that's true. That's yeah. probably true. I got another one here if you would like it. Sure. This uh, this one is from uh, the Blank family. Uh, no name given, just the Blank family. The New York Times, December 20th, 1907. Dear Santa Claus, my sister and brother are very glad to hear that we will get some presents anyhow. The fact is that my papa is out of work, and we did not expect to get anything for Christmas. My brother, seven years old, wants a teddy bear. Molly wants a pair of skates, aged nine years. Kitty wants a toy grocery store, aged seven. And Catherine, aged six, wants a teddy bear. If I'm not asking too much of you, I would like a pair of skates. My age is 13 years of age. If I am not asking too much, and I hope you will not forget us. We remain your firm believers. Isn't that great? Wow. New York Times, yeah. December 20th, 1907. I've got a few from the um, Marshall Daily Chronicle of 1908. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and still have the Marshall Chronicle there. Yeah, but this is from 1908. Dear Santa, I wish you would bring me a pair of skates, a picture book, candy, nuts, oranges, and a writing desk. Your friend, Minnie Fox. Hmm. It looks like all the Fox kids wrote a letter that time because they're all like in a row. Elmer Fox hmm. wrote, I wish you would bring me a sled, a picture book. Candy, nuts, oranges, your friend, Elmer Fox. And then Lucy Fox wrote, I wish you would bring me a pair of skates, a picture book, nuts, a writing desk, candy, oranges, and a doll, and a cab, doll cab, I guess, and your friend, Lucy Fox. So they probably were all writing them at the same time. And around the kitchen were. table, and they all had the same inspiration <laughs> for oranges. <laughs> Everybody wanted the same thing. Oh, how cool! How oh. cool! Here's an interesting one of the that kind of is telling of the time. I want a tool bench, a sled, and a pair of rubber boots. Uh, goodbye, B I E E B B B I E. Santa, I live at 708 Marshall <laughs> Avenue. Maurice Lorene Slater. 
So oh my word. I love it when they spell it exactly as the, ch- the child wrote it, even though yes. it's a little bit challenging to figure out what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. It can be, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yep. Oh, here's one. This this guy wants a goat. Dear Santa Claus. A, go- a goat? <laughs> a goat? <laughs> dear, dear Santa Claus, I want a goat, a pair of skates, and a pair of bobs. John Mather. What was the what were Bob's? Do you remember? Bob's sled, probably. That's probably what it is, Bob's. Yeah, yeah. probably. A, maybe they're runners or something for a Bob's. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. You you had another one. Well, this one this is really short and sweet. It's uh, it doesn't say what the what the kid's name is, but uh, it's from the New York Times, and. It's addressed to Santa Claus, North Pole. Bring Jim a drum, horn, airplane, if he is a good boy, and an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> an elephant. Woo, gotta get that elephant in there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> get that one down the chimney, Santa. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my. Oh, there, there's so many of them that are asking for nuts and oranges and peanuts. Mm. That must have been a very customary gift at that time. That maybe it was in yeah. short supply. Maybe yeah. those were treats in themselves. You know, they because sure. we're so accustomed to getting oranges and fruit at the grocery yeah. store. But it, it was, was a probably more difficult. Yeah, back in those days. <clears throat> I've got one from December twenty fifth, nineteen six, from Ada Butler, mm-hmm. and this was printed in the Chicago Daily Tribune. Dear Santa Claus, State Street, Hmm. I am a little girl, seven years old, and I'm afraid that you won't call at our house because we are so poor. Father has to work hard all day and mother is sick and says we needn't expect anything. Please, when you are on the west side, if you will just call and leave a little book or something, I will be much obliged. You can't come down the chimney because it's too small, but I will open the door if you knock. Wow. Ada Butler. Wow. Isn't that something? Wow. They're just little tiny pieces of history and a little window into the heart of that child, you know? Oh, absolutely so. Yeah. Wow. Well, I got uh, another one here, if you'd like, from the Chicago Daily Tribune, but this one is uh, from 1949, which isn't wow. that long ago. Yeah. Let's see what this one, let's see what uh, this person wants. I will start with what my brother Juan wishes. If it is not too much, he would like to get a train with signals and all that. And myself? Oh, yes, you know, it is so difficult to make up one's mind. Oh, but even if it is a present for a boy, I should so much like to get an Indian costume. I hope you do not think we are too greedy, but as you know, children like to get everything. I should really like to ask you for more, but now it is a quarter to seven, and I have got to go to bed. Love from Francia and Juan. Chicago (laughs) Daily Tribune, December 15th, 1949. Wow. Wow. Here's one from the Marshall Daily Chronicle of 1908. Dear Santa, I want a hand sled, candy, dominoes and checkers, engine cars, a pair of shoes, 
great little horse, cow, reindeer, cat, dog, buggy, and a wheel skates and toys. And he spelled toys T-O-I-E-S. Mm-hmm. And he signed it George Wright. <laughs> <That's> wow. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's just kind of fun. Uh, I got and, another really short one here. Sure. From the New York Times this time, from December 23rd of 1907. Now listen to this one. Mm-hmm. I would like you to drop a drum and water pistol down my chimney. Would you give me a water pistol for my friend who has no chimney? <laughs> Doesn't say what his name is. <laughs> but he was thinking of his friend. Yeah. They don't have a chimney. <laughs> yeah. That's just great stuff. I mean, you could read these all day. They're really awesome. You know, dear Santa, I want a doll bed, a little set of dishes, two oranges, two bananas, peanut candy, doll dress, pair of skates, two tablets, two picture books, your best friend, Lola Schultz. Wow. That's kind of... So picture books were, were kind of a thing, too. I've seen that written a few times. Mm-hmm. A lot of reading. This, this next one that I have uh, is rather sad. It's from um, Mary Dell Ormond, mm-hmm. Chicago Daily Tribune, December 18th of 1907. She wrote, My dear Santa Claus, I think we're going to have a bad Christmas. My papa is home with a sore eye, and my mama has one crippled arm. We are three little sisters, dear Santa, and a baby brother. He would like to have a rocking horse and a sled. He is three years old. And my youngest sister wants a doll. And my six-year-old sister would like a doll also. As I am the oldest, anything will do me that you think would be nice for a little eight-year-old girl. This is a little piece my papa learned me, and if you will come to fill my stocking, I will speak it for you. My pop, my, it's my pap, my pap says, twon't be no use for me to go ahead and hang my stocking up this year, for Santa Claus is dead. I'm just as sorry as can be, and papa's sorry some. Won't be like Christmas time at all, if Santa does not come. Goodbye, dear Santa Claus, and please do not forget us, and God will bless you. Your little girl, Mary Dell Ormond, Chicago Tribune, December 18, 1907. Wow. Wow. There was quite a bit of those ones from Chicago where the children were mentioning their parents were poor. And... um, And there must have been some fulfillment done by some of the papers, I would think, at the time. Or some people in the community. Maybe that was why they published the newspapers. Mm-hmm. But, um, wow. Interesting what they want. A lot of skates. People yep. wanted a lot of skates. Yep. And as we said before, nuts and, and fruits, oranges mm-hmm. and things like that. Yep. And the little girls more dresses and dolls and picture books. Mm-hmm. Boys, you know. Here's one, uh, dear Santa. I live in Paw Paw. I want you to bring me a gun, and a drum, 
How is your reindeer? My name is Sly Silas Strutting, Pawpaw, Michigan. Where do you lived? I am glad. <laughs> I am glad that you are coming to my house Christmas. Your toil are all. It must have been toys. Your toys are all in the back of your sled, from your friend Silas Studding, Pawpaw, Michigan. Oh. So just just adorable. Some of these are just adorable. Yes, they are. Yeah. They really. Are. And that was from 1915 in uh, the Pawpaw True Northerner. So there's a couple of famous authors out there that wrote letters to their children that um, were pretty famous. Mark Twain wrote one letter. But J.R.R. Tolkien, have you ever heard of his collection? They, he wrote um, a series of letters yes, from Father yes. Christmas. And it's a famous book. Um, that you can actually buy on Amazon. I'll put the link to that in the description of the podcast if anybody's interested. But if you've ever had time to read through it, he not only wrote the letters, but he also illustrated them. And every year he would write a letter to his children mm -hmm. from Father Christmas. And there would, you know, sometimes it was delivered by elf messenger, and sometimes it was delivered by a bird or something, is the way it was said. And he. He even designed the postage stamps that would be on the outside of the envelopes. So he was quite an individual and very creative, you know. And, of course, it, it rolls out in his story of the Lord of the Rings and everything like that. But this is it's a very special inside look at uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. But uh, Mark Twain wrote a letter to his daughter in 1875, and... He wrote it to his daughter, Susie. He had three daughters. Um, and when she was three years old, she signed. She wrote her first letter to Santa Claus. And Twain, who was very close to her, um, being a writer, couldn't stand for his young daughter to feel like, his, like her work had gone unheard. So he mm -hmm. decided to pen the following letter, My Dear Susie Clemens, from The Man in the Moon. This, and the story's been widely shared in anthologies as a cute reminder of the spirit of Christmas and the love of parents for their children who year after year don bright red suits and leave out milk and cookies to keep the magic alive. And as an interesting note, one of Mark Twain's other daughters, Clara Clemens, she gave a recital at the Battle Creek Sanitarium in January of 1909. And she had previously performed in front of royalty in several European countries before she arrived here in Battle Creek for that performance. So, and at the, the um, Tales of Christmas Past, we had Donna Rickman read this letter, um, and she's actually from Hannibal, Missouri. But I thought you should read it today, Dave, and we'd have you read this on the show. Well, Hannibal, Missouri, of course, Mark Twain's hometown. Yeah, exactly. And I certainly can't uh, do justice like uh, Donna did, I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, last last weekend. But, yeah, she uh, did a mar remarkable I'll give job. Her a shot. <laughs> yes, she did. She's she is a talented lady. She really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll hear it now. This was written by uh, by Samuel Clemens. Yep. And um, it reads as follows: <clears throat> My dear Susie Clemens. I have received and read all the letters which you and your little sister have written me. 
I can read your and your baby sister's jagged and fantastic marks without any trouble at all. But I had trouble with those letters which you dictated through your mother and the nurses, for I am a foreigner and cannot read English writing well. You will find that I made no mistakes about the things which you and the baby ordered in your own letters. I went down your chimney at midnight when you were asleep and delivered them all myself, and kissed both of you too. But there were one or two small orders which I could not fill, because we ran out of stock. There was a word or two in your mamma's letter which I took to be a trunk full of doll's clothes. Is that it? I will call at your kitchen door about nine o'clock this morning to inquire. But I must not see anybody, and I must not speak to anybody but you. When the kitchen doorbell rings, George must be blindfolded and sent to the door. You must tell George he must walk on tiptoe and not speak. Otherwise, he will die some day. <laughs> Then you must go up to the nursery and stand on a chair or the nurse's bed and put your ear to the speaking tube that leads down to the kitchen. And when I whistle through it, you must speak in the tube and say, Welcome, Santa Claus. Then I will ask whether it was a trunk you ordered or not. If you say it was, I shall ask you what color you want the trunk to be. And then you must tell me every single thing in detail which you want the trunk to contain. Then, when I say goodbye and Merry Christmas to my little Susie Clemens, you must say goodbye, good old Santa Claus. I thank you very much. Then you must go down into the library and make George close all the doors that open into the main hall and everybody must keep still for a little while. I will go to the moon and get those things, and in a few minutes I will come down the chimney that belongs to the fireplace that is in the hall. If it's a trunk you want, because I couldn't get such a thing as a trunk down the nursery chimney, you know, if I should leave any snow in the hall, you must tell George to sweep it into the fireplace for I haven't time to do such things. George must not use a broom, but a rag, else he will die some day. <laughs> if my boot, isn't that something? <laughs> if my boot should leave a stain on the marble, George must not wholly stone it away. Leave it there, always in memory of my visit. And whenever you look at or show it to anybody, you must let it remind you to be a good little girl. Whenever you are naughty and someone points to that mark which your good old Santa Claus boot made on the marble, what will you say, little sweetheart? Goodbye for a few minutes till I come down to the world and ring the kitchen doorbell. Your loving Santa Claus, whom people sometimes call the Man in the Moon. Such an incredible letter. you got to ask yourself, how did that play out, and how did he pull off that trunk? 
Because you know you had to come up with a trunk. Because she's going to say, yeah, I want yeah, a trunk of clothes. Sure. And then how did, why did he, <laughs> how did he make it so difficult for him? She could have said yellow, and then he's got to come up with a yellow trunk. Was he going to go grab a paintbrush? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, it leaves you wondering, doesn't it? Huh? Yeah. What's well, kind of a One sad, of the wonders of Christmas time. It has kind of a sad note to it, because um, Susie died at a young age at the age of 24 in 1896 oh. and uh that's just kind of a, a sad reminder how special these letters are you know because it was uh something very important between him and his young girl you know and um no, absolutely so yeah and i assume george must have been his son i don't remember if he had i a, would assume so yeah he was in the household anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, really special magic to some of those old Santa letters. Now, the most famous one of all is one that you read at the Tales of Christmas Past event. And it was the most famous editorial ever written in a newspaper. It was published in a paper called The Sun in New York City on September 21st, 1897. And the author was a man named Francis Farcellus Church. And he wrote it in response to a letter sent into the newspaper by an eight-year-old girl. And the editorial was originally published anonymously, and Church's authorship was not disclosed until after he passed away in 1906. Now, the editorial lived on well past its original publication, and it took on a life of its own during the holiday season every year. The Sun, the newspaper where it was originally published, gradually accepted the popularity of the famous editorial and responding to demands from the readership, published it again and again every year from Christmas, around Christmas time to 1950 when the paper ceased publication. Over the many decades... 1924, I think. Yeah, 1924 to 1950, yeah. when the paper ceased mm -hmm. publication. Over the many decades, it's been cited as the most reprinted editorial in the English language, and it's been translated into over 20 languages and adopted as a film, television presentations, a musical, children's books, and much more. And uh, it's quite a magical letter, and it's known familiarly as Yes, Virginia... There is a Santa Claus. So I'll read the Virginia's letter to the editor, and I'll let you read the editor's response. How about that, Dave? Sounds good to me. Okay, so it says, Dear Editor, I am eight years old. Some of my little friends say there is no Santa Claus. Papa says, if you see it in the sun, it's so. Please tell me the truth. Is there a Santa Claus? Signed, Virginia O'Hanlon, 115 West 95th Street. And must have been in New York. Mm -hmm. Well, here was the response. Virginia, your little friends are wrong. They have been affected by the skepticism of a skeptical age. They do not believe except they see. They think that nothing can be which is not comprehensible by their little minds. All minds, Virginia, whether they be men's or children's, are little. 
In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect, as compared with the boundless world about him, as measured by the intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity and devotion exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. There would be no childlike faith then, no poetry, no romance to make tolerable this existence. We should have no enjoyment except in sense and sight. The eternal light with which childhood fills the world would be extinguished. Not believe in Santa Claus? You might as well not believe in fairies. You might get your papa to hire men to watch in all the chimneys on Christmas Eve to catch Santa Claus, but even if they did not see Santa Claus coming down, what would that prove? Nobody sees Santa Claus, but that is no sign that there is no Santa Claus. The most real things in the world are those that neither children nor men can see. Did you ever see fairies dancing on the lawn? Of course not. But there's no proof that they are not there. Nobody can conceive or imagine all the wonders that are unseen and unseeable in the world. You may tear apart the baby's rattle and see what makes the noise inside, but there is a veil covering the unseen world which is not the strongest man, nor even the united strength of all the strongest men that ever lived could tear apart. Only faith, fancy, poetry, love, romance can push aside that curtain and view and picture the supernatural beauty and glory beyond. Is it all real? Ah, Virginia, in all this world, there is nothing else real and abiding. No Santa Claus? Thank God he lives, and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. Wow. That is an incredible letter. To think that's yes. 125 years old, you know, <laughs> and it's still such yeah. a powerful message, you know. Wow. You know, every time I hear it read, especially by you, you deliver that one so magnificently, Dave. You did such oh, a great thank one. You, thank you, you. you could hear a pin drop in that audience, and a, and there yeah, wasn't a, one you know, of the one of the comments was that they were in tears and had to leave the auditorium. They were crying, <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's a very moving piece, you know. It is uh, it is quite when something, you, you know. Yeah. Well, Christmas is a very special time of year. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and he definitely captured that spirit in that letter, and I think it resonates through a lot of generations with that. Um, oh, thank you. You know, and the, old, the, center, the, the Santa Claus theme in itself is so... Um, mystical and magical that is kind of neat you know and all these children over the many many 
decades that have written letters to Santa Claus. We've read many of them today, and uh, it's just fabulous to have this, uh, you know, as a topic on the show today. You know, it was fun. You know, one thought that I had, Michael, while we're doing this was mm-hmm. that uh, I believed in Santa Claus for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I really did. I don't know about yourself. I'll ask you, but I, I just, yeah. I can remember believing in Santa Claus, and we lived, uh, it's a small house. And we had a back porch, which was unheated and everything, but it was mm-hmm. it stood it stood up uh, on the second floor, and then the the, uh, the yard went down. And mm-hmm. so I could imagine at Christmas time that Santa Claus and his sleigh would come up this little kind of a an alleyway, mm-hmm. and uh, I could get out there after a fresh snowfall and see the runners. Mm-hmm. And honest to gosh, I think on more than one occasion. I saw those runners out there. I saw the runners in the snow, the wow. tracks of the runners in the snow. And uh, that was always kind of special. Never received a, a whole lot for Christmas. Uh, my folks didn't didn't have all that much. and uh-huh. I received candy and yeah. maybe some oranges. And, and maybe most of the toys that I played with were used toys. Uh-huh. In fact, the first tricycle that I got uh, was a used tricycle. Yeah. The uh, bicycle that I eventually graduated to when I was, what, 24 years old or something? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the, but the bicycle, uh, it was a used bicycle. So yeah. we never had any uh, any really new toys. Yeah. But, uh, but still, Christmas was Christmas. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was. It was just. How, how how old were you when you stopped believing? I, I would say it was. I was thinking about it. it. Must have been about seven or eight. I think uh, probably some kid at school ruined it for me. Uh, yeah. I can remember my parents um, leaving the cookies and the milk out. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, I grew up in Phoenix, and I grew up in a family of seven kids. So, you know, with two, with only one working dad. My mom was uh, a stay-at-home mom for most of my growing up so you know at the time the economy was different back then and they could do that sure. and uh and so the you know we didn't have a, a big robust christmas you know with a lot of presents but every we all i, I kind of look back and i think my parents didn't spend anything on themselves during those years they just spent mm-hmm. it on the kids and uh making christmas special and i can remember the uh, going to bed and there was no presents under the tree and then waking mm-hmm. up and there was a pile you know, and I think my mom would secretly find ways to get us out of the house, so she'd wrap presents during the week, and they stockpiled them in their 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 own personal closet, which was the only place we were never allowed to go. So <laughs> I can remember we never go into mom and dad's bedroom, so it was like a secret place, and um, yeah. that was that was must have been what you know they did that, and it was just they kept the magic alive for all of us, you know. Um, as much as they could, obviously, you know, kids at school will always ruin it for another kid. But uh, oh, sure, you know. Sure. But I think that's kind of what happened with uh, with me and my brother. We probably lost the magic around the same time, you know. But um, but yeah, it was it was quite something. I remember the present surprises, and you know, oh, Santa brought this, and you know, we had an old. We were one of the probably the only houses in Phoenix that actually had it, an old chimney, but it was blocked up. So we knew that Santa couldn't come down that. So my mom made sure we knew that he would come through the front door. Ah, and he yes. had a magic Santa key or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. would leave. We'd always make sure mom left the door open for him, and uh, 
and it was a whole magical spirit of time, you know, and I think it's a, it probably would have been a lot different growing up with snow. I mean, we didn't have anything like that in growing up in Phoenix, but, um, but it still had its, its moments, you know, and I think everybody Absolutely. across the world has taken on a little bit of that magic around, you know, depending on what climate they're in, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, it certainly would have been very special to grow up and see snowfall like we have this Christmas season that's going to be um, probably hanging around for quite a bit, you know. And uh, certainly looks like it. Yep. The coldest, uh, coldest one in quite some time, too. So. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it'll, like you say, it'll stick around a while. Yeah. So do you have any memorable um, letters that came in or Christmas things that happened while you were on WBCK? Oh, gosh. Um, I can't recall specific letters or anything. But, but you covered uh, carol I, singing, didn't you, at, at one of the... Yes, uh, yeah. yes. We, uh, we, had, um, we had a sing-along. Mm-hmm. It was a sing-along. I had a program someplace here, but... It was, uh, we would have, and generally, that would be held at the Kellogg Arena. And Mm -hmm. uh, we had pamphlets with uh, music printed up, the words to the music uh, printed up. And we would have people bring in uh, non-perishable food articles for uh, for the needy. Wow. And uh, we would would have a sing-along, and it was a lot of fun. It really was. And one thing that I do remember very well... I raised an awful lot of money for the Humane Society, uh, uh, the County at that time, Humane Society. Yeah. Because they found out that I hate fruitcakes. <laughs> so they sold, <laughs> they, as a fundraiser, the hmm. Humane Society sold fruitcakes. And right. so on the air, I would badmouth fruitcakes up and down, up and down. <laughs> and this sold more fruitcakes than you can possibly imagine. Wow. The fun we had. Did they put a brand name Dave Eddie Fruitcake on there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Oh, my uh, gosh. But, but, uh, but I do remember that at the holiday season, fruitcakes. Mm-hmm. And people wow. would send me letters uh, saying, oh, you don't know what you're missing, you know. And, and I would you know, kid about using them for doorstops and things like that. And, you know, building... <laughs> retaining walls out in the yard yeah, yeah. with these things but uh, that is a, a holiday memory that i have yeah i didn't Christmas have a lot of fondness uh, for those of myself yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, uh christmas and holidays michael in the radio business at least until i got more seniority was nothing um nothing special as, as far as having time off Mm-hmm. because it was always it was somebody had to work and that was really time before they had uh, uh remote broadcasting uh, where you could you know throw things on and nobody mm-hmm. would even have to be on premise at the radio station but uh, back in those days i was away for all the holidays unfortunately for my kids and i, mm-hmm. I really felt sorry about that wow but, uh, but we managed but it was a great, uh, a great career, and uh, it was always interesting, and always great uh, music. We, I don't think, played started to play Christmas music as early 
as they do now. I think we waited until much later in the season. Yeah, it seems like you start hearing Christmas music almost two well, weeks before yeah. Thanksgiving now, you know. And it's oh, a, yeah, I think you're right. I you think know. some do, yeah. But no matter yeah. how, how you look at it, it's a very special time mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. And I so appreciate your being uh, here on, uh, on this particular spot and uh, being able to do this, Michael, and I appreciate your asking me to participate. Yeah, well, Thank you're you. certainly going to be asked a lot more because, you know, everybody <laughs> loves Dave Eddy, and we've got all kinds well, of history topics that we can talk about. But uh, yes, it's been, yes, we do. It's been fun. We've had a wonderful year hanging out together. We've done a lot of projects, and we've got some interesting projects yeah, coming up yeah. for 2023. I saw yep. you had some great coverage on the front page of the Battle Creek Shopper um, about your the early beginnings of the chapel restoration at Oak Hill Cemetery. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before yes. we wrap up today? Well, I yes, I certainly at any point I would like to do that because I uh, happen to be the president of the uh, Oak Hill Cemetery board. Mm-hmm. And so I, this is one of my projects that I wanted to do because these chapel has fallen into disrepair and mainly because of water leakage the roof and so on mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was a real mess i mean when it was constructed in 19 uh, well i think they started in 1924 michael uh, i think it was dedicated in 1926 but i did read somewhere where it might have been 1927 they dedicated it okay but it is my my dream really to have this chapel restored so that we can mark the 100th anniversary of its uh, existence that'd be in great 1920 20, uh, 20, uh, 2026 yeah so it, it was the most beautiful chapel one of the most beautiful chapels in the nation and there mm. was a newspaper article from 1926 when it was dedicated so we are working to um, receive funds from the public and restore to its beautiful, beautiful uh, self. You know, there are some stained glass windows that are absolutely magnificent. Yeah, it is quite. And so Larry Reiser, who is a retired architect, has really taken, I asked him to, to help in this project, and mm-hmm. uh, I was afraid he was going to say no, but he said, well, sure, I'd be happy to help. Well, right. as it turns out, Larry worked for uh, Louis Sarvis, mm-hmm. who's a very well-known local uh, architect. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of kind of close to to his heart, mm-hmm. uh, to Larry's heart, to work on this. So I hope that people will be generous, and uh, down the road, the cemetery itself is going to need some help too, because yeah. uh, people uh, people are still dying. But the uh, the method of uh, of uh, burying people has changed considerably. Right. And there are many more cremations now than there used to be, and uh, not as many burials and so on. So I hope folks will be keeping in mind, and maybe in the holiday spirit, to uh, through the Battle Creek Community Foundation, mm-hmm. donate to the uh, Save the Oak Hill Cemetery Chapel. Okay, it's so a beautiful, beautiful thing, and if you've never seen it, I hope that you will plan. Well, maybe you should wait 
until it's restored. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful on the outside. It's very Victorian, very, very beautiful. Beautiful it's a sandstorm. you know it can be a community meeting space so it could certainly be held for. Oh, yeah. I mean, for uh, there have been weddings, yeah. funerals, and other events there, mm-hmm. memorial services, and it's just absolutely gorgeous with those beautiful stained glass windows that are registered. By the way, there's an organ. Well, you, I think you were into stained glass. Uh, yeah, in, I worked in, the in business a, at one time. I owned a stained glass company for about yeah. fifteen years. So, yeah, yeah so I was involved this, with that and. Um, and those are beautiful pieces of work in there, and they should definitely be restored. Um, and I, I think this year I'm going to probably, you know, give you a hand on helping you put together a fundraising oh. campaign. To, oh, my gosh. To I, figure I out, so appreciate that, Michael. To figure out how we can pull this off and get some more people involved in it because it is a very important historic landmark that we want to preserve. Oh, and, you know, so. Battle Creek's lost so many wonderful historic buildings over the years that— that that building needs to yeah. be preserved, and it's um, oh, it's certainly it's does. very special, and and it looked like you had quite a number of volunteers that came out, which was really good. That's a that's always the yes, good beginning yes. point, you know. So, um, but there it's there's a People fund are, there are, at Battle Creek Community Foundation. There's yes, there's a fund yes. already established, so I'll grab the link from that, and I will put that in the show notes for this podcast episode, folks. So if you want to make a contribution. Um, and maybe make your year-end donation. It's tax-deductible when you donate through the Battle Creek Community Foundation because the funds there are uh, nonprofit. So you can mm-hmm. make a year-end donation and help uh, throw some money towards this very special project. It's a very beautiful building, and it's very special uh, to Dave because he's kind of like the curator of the Oak Hill Cemetery, you know, with... <laughs> You know, you described well, it in that newspaper article as the best description of Oak Hill Cemetery, and this is probably the best way people should look at it. Don't look at it as a cemetery; look at it as an outdoor museum. Museum, absolutely so, because Oak Hill Cemetery is an absolute outdoor museum, and it is one of the most incredible outdoor museums that we have in Battle Creek. Uh, there's a lot of you know uh, wonderful cemeteries around town, and I've done videos on dozens of them around the community. But Oak Hill in the Battle Creek community, um, with the possible exception of maybe Riverside and Albion and uh, Oak Ridge over in Marshall, those three cemeteries mm-hmm. alone are like your walking outdoor museums in Calhoun County. And um, Oak Hill is. is very special. It has W.K. Kellogg's. Memorial there. It has John Harvey Kellogg. It has C.W. Post. It has uh, James and Ellen White and a whole host of other people that if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll find there's just some amazing people that came through and lived in Battle Creek and just very amazing people, you know. Junior Walker. Yeah, Junior Walker. Absolutely. Junior Walker's buried there, you know, with the All-Stars. I mean, he's... uh, We've got a Harlem... Globetrotter that's buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. And nearly the first black police officer. um, And nearly 2,000 veterans uh, of every war, I think, uh, since Mm -hmm. uh, the Revolutionary War. We have two two Revolutionary War soldiers. We have Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, It's just a fantastic place. Just a fantastic place. There's two Medal of Honor recipients. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, 
That's right. Yeah. You can make your checks payable. I got to get this in. Yeah, go ahead. The Battle Creek Community Foundation slash Oak Hill. And uh, you can send it directly to the Battle Creek Community Foundation. Just okay. Battle Creek Community Foundation, Oak Hill Cemetery Fund, Chapel mm-hmm. Fund, uh, you know. Yeah. Just put on we'll the note again, that it's the, for the we'll, chapel. We'll, Absolutely. Maybe we can do another program and we can talk more about that. Yeah, I'd like to talk more specifically about it. You and I will probably have some more stuff lined up for it um, in the first quarter of the year, and we can certainly uh, get some people involved with that. Maybe we'll do another Michigan Economic Development Campaign uh, grant where we can do some, get some matching funds to help boost the income for that chapel and so we can restore it, and we'll probably have an overall budget by that time that... Uh, we can uh-huh. target and get people uh-huh. rolling on it, you know, because it's a very special part of the community. And if you've, you can still drive by and look at it from the outside. And I, oh. I recommend everybody take a drive through Oak Hill Cemetery now and then. It's just like an outdoor park, and like I said, it's an outdoor museum, and it's a, it's probably some of the most beautiful trees you'll find in Battle Creek. Um, when you go out there in the summertime and in the spring, is absolutely gorgeous out there. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's. You know, the only comparable place is the Lila Arboretum. I mean, Oak Hill Cemetery has some very beautiful trees out there. there and when they're in flower, it's just absolutely gorgeous out there. So, good place to visit. Yes, it is. It is. The biggest museum yep. around. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks for coming on the show today, Dave. Michael, this has been fun. It's oh, been a blast. Yes, sure. Yep. Yes, absolutely so. And I've enjoyed it very much. And thank you again for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you, David. And have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. So I've been speaking with Dave Eddy. He was the famous morning mayor on WBCK Radio. And he joined me today to talk about Christmas time and about Santa letters and some historic Santa letters from the past all over uh, Michigan as well as from around the world and some of the most famous Santa letters in history and just generally talk a little bit about Christmas and hoping that you have a wonderful Christmas day and a wonderful weekend and a happy and prosperous new year and once again thank you for listening to Tales of Southwest Michigan's past it has been a wonderful year here uh, with this podcast and so if you will please join me next time when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales from the past thank you for listening 